Good morning. We have a special day today for young Adrian. And we know we're going to dedicate him to the Lord this morning. And I welcome his family. He has a large family, his grandma, grandpa. And uh, we are welcoming them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're happy to have you. Uh, I want to read a couple of verses before we dedicate uh, Adrian uh, to the Lord. It's uh, found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. This is the commandment. The statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. That's a big responsibility if you look at that, and especially for parents. And he's asking the writer through the Holy Spirit, Moses, to be examples for our Lord. First and foremost, parents should be examples. To be examples to our children, this is what's required of us. What do they hear from us? Do they hear songs at home? Do, you hear, do they hear the sound of praises to the Lord at home? And I'm sure in the household of Gilbert and Jean, that, that little one who's sitting there and listening to me now and is looking at the camera hears beautiful songs. He's beautiful. Does he, is he growing to hear the Bible being read at home? Is he attending church regularly? I can say with all my heart that Adrian is attending church regularly. <laughs> and who's responsible? The children, the, the, the parents. And who do they, do they look for? The parents. Who sets the examples? The parents. And thank God for these godly parents. May God bless them. We teach them everything. I remember my, my dad was very keen on us going to church every Sunday. And he was keen on us to also pay our tithing. I wasn't working. I was a little boy and so on. He used to line us up, my two sisters and I, at the door on Sunday morning before we go to church and give us an equivalent to a nickel each. And I used to go to church holding it in my hand like this, waiting for the, you know, for the plate to come by and so goes down like this. And my two sisters. I learned that from my parents. And I'm sure he's learning. And all other things until I grew up and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. We have a great responsibility as, as, as parents to train him in the way of the Lord. What do we read here? In verse 7, I want to read it to you. don't have to open it. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons these precepts. You teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk to them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, you say, you're carrying it too much. It's not me. And you shall bind them as a sign on your head, and they shall be as frontals between your eyes on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, everywhere they go, they will see a sign of Jesus Christ 
Even if they look at the wall, would they see a, a something written on the wall that refers to the Bible? A verse? There's nothing wrong with have verses at home. So when he grows up, he will see that. I have heard parents say that they don't want to force their children to go to church. I've heard that. Because they were forced to go to church. They want their children to make the choice when they grow up and choose for themselves. Let me tell you one thing. 18 years when you leave them to choose for themselves to grow up after 18 or 20 years, when they grow up, going to church will be so difficult for them. And guess what? They will have a choice between the football game at 10 o'clock or church at 10 o'clock. And guess what they will choose? The football game. If they make their choices, we have to teach them and to make choices for them now. When they grow up, they will not depart from them. Did you get the point? So, I'm not going to force them. This is no go. Gilbert, force the children. My dad used to force us. Did I ever regret it? I'm a servant of the Lord. And I'm privileged to be a servant. And bring them to church. And force them to come to church. Their eternity is dependent on the example you set before them. That's all. If they are without any example of God in their youth, where they're growing up, they will usually not make the right choice in adulthood. This is the time when you teach them. And our passage that I read, it tells us that we need to train them. Train them when you sit. Train them when you walk. Train them when you lay down. Train them when you get up. Sing verses to them. Sing songs to them. Utter the words of the Lord to them. Let them say, wow, it's all filled, this household, with the word of God. And you know what? And the word of God will never come back empty. You have a plan. Each family has some plans for their children. What are your plans? I've asked Jean and Gilbert, I said, could you tell me what are the plans that you have for Adrian, little Adrian? Uh, he looked at me and says, we'll email you something. I said, okay. Guess what? They emailed me something. I'm going to read it to you. What are your plans? What are our plans for our children? Think of the plans that you have. This is what they wrote me. First, for him to learn about Jesus at an early age. Is that a plan? I think this is a good plan. If possible, at the start of his life. Two, for him to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior into his heart at an early age. Do you say amen to that? Amen. Third, for him to surrender everything to the Lord at an early age. Thank you for that. Amen. Fourth, for him to be the servant the Lord intended him to be. Fifth, and last but not certainly not least, for him to love the Lord with all his heart, mind, body, and soul more than anybody or anything in this world. And guess what? Is he going to grow to be a man of God? With that plan, with this foundation, though his mother is a doctor, his father is a, a, a computer specialist, they didn't say, I want him to be like mom or dad. No. I want, to be, I want him to be like the Lord. This is the plan. And with this plan, Adrian will never lose, will never fail. The Lord will bless him, and the Lord will grow him, and the Lord will bless his parents because they helped him to grow on the right 
foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's come up here and dedicate Adrian. Just watch this guy, huh? <laughs> Let's bow our heads and pray. Our Father, we are thankful and we are amazed at your gift to us, the little children, that when our Lord Jesus Christ was here on earth, he took them and put them on his lap and pressed them to his heart and called for them to come unto him, for to such as these is the kingdom of God. We thank you for Gilbert and we thank you for Jean that they wanted to dedicate their child their only son give him to you and there's no better place to place him than your own hands we place him there and we ask you to grow him and to give him grace as he starts growing to know you early in his life this is the plan this is the desire of his parents and will be a man of God as he grows in this world. Bless him and bless them. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. God bless him. He'll be a man of God. Now, we have uh, to go back to the meeting, right? And before we do that, we have Taylor to favor us with a beautiful song. So let's listen to Taylor. May God bless her.
can't hear me now you will <laughs> praise God let's bow our heads for a word of prayer our precious Heavenly Father we thank you for preparing for us a place to come to hear your word and we thank you for this congregation and we pray that you open our hearts to the word and help us to follow you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, ask and pray. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to a very well-known portion, Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12. Verse 16, Luke chapter 12 and verse 16. And Jesus, he, Jesus, told them a parable saying, The land of a certain rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now, who will own what you have prepared? Who will own what you have prepared? Some titled this story told by Jesus a rich farmer the rich farmer he was a farmer I love farmers they're my friends and uh, I have great respect for them they care for us without you knowing they give us the best food all the broccolis in the world <laughs> you know you see now why I love them they give us all the broccolis in the world in case Bill didn't hear it. I want him to hear it. <laughs> and the Brussels sprouts. <laughs> he, they are farmers too. And they are as good to the community as doctors and lawyers and any other professional. I love them. But when I read this story, I don't like this farmer. I didn't like him. Let's see why. God called him a fool. Not because he was rich. Don't get me wrong. We are not here, nor in any church, behind the pulpit to preach against the rich. This is wrong. God gave us everything to enjoy. He gave us hands to work with. He gave us a good mind. God gave us also plans to follow and to be successful and he promised prosperity to those people who work hard in life 
So God is not against the rich. He is not for the poor against the rich. No. God is against sin. If this rich man was a godly man, God would have loved him more and more. And if the poor man is not a godly man, God does not love him for his deeds. Less and less. So we're not talking anything against rich people. God gave us all the possibilities to work in life. And to, he said, I will bless your future. I will give you prosperity. And there are so many rich men in the Bible that God blessed and blessed and he keeps blessing. So, God called him a fool not because he was rich. Let's establish that. We're done with that. But, but here it is. Because material possessions became a substitute for the proper object for life, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. His material belongings became his God. God is against that. In Psalm 14 and verse 1, we read, you can underline it, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's a fool man. And when any other thing in life, not money, any other object in life takes precedence over God and becomes an idol to us, God hates it because you are breaking the first commandment. What does it say? You shall have no other God before me. It's Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. Webster's we go back and say, what, let's see what Webster's Dictionary says about a fool. He's, the very first thing Webster says, in Scripture, that's what I'm quoting Webster, in Scripture, fool is often used for wicked or depraved person, one who acts contrary to sound wisdom in his moral deportment, one who follows his own inclinations, who prefers trifling and temporary pleasures to the service of God and eternal happiness. How about that in a Webster Dictionary? Now, who is a fool? But ask me. A fool is, in the Old Testament sense, I studied that, is who, he who rejects the knowledge and precepts of God as a basis of life. Did you get that one? He who rejects the knowledge and precepts of God as the foundation of life. In the book of Proverbs and chapter 1 and verse 7 we read, Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And someone said, A fool is one whose plans end at the grave. That's all. It doesn't go beyond that. And today in a short time, we want to study together why the law the Lord called him a fool. This is a story. A rich man, a rich farmer if you want to call him, that's fine. He looked why he called him a fool. First, because he was self-centered. He looked at his land and was so proud of his property. But in reality, what does the Bible say? The earth is the Lord's. And you know what? We are only guests in here. How many people say, well, let me take a show. I, I want to show you my property. Let me assure you of one thing. This property is only temporary. One day you and I are going to leave it. The only piece of property we really have in this world is a grave. Think about that. And even with that, we will have to vacate when the Lord is going to call us up yonder. So what do we have left with? Zip. Zero. 
When my mom died and we wanted to bury her in uh, Long Beach, we had to go and buy a, a, a piece of, of, to bury her. $7,000. And you know, I learned then that they are, they, instead of selling two lots, one by the, uh, each other, it's one on top of each other that takes two coffins there. You had to pay for it. So, and then my mom has to vacate it. She died as a believer. And when the Lord is going to call her up, that's going to be empty. So, so self-centered. He started thinking within himself. Is what, when you start thinking within yourself, thinking. He started making plans. He started worrying about the crop. And what happens if he did not have the right warehouse to store his crops? I have surplus. And surplus is a blessing, isn't it? When God gives you more than you expect, it's a blessing. But this man was very successful in turning the blessing into what? Into a point of anxiety. What can I do? I don't have a place for them. And uh, he did, I, possibly he didn't sleep at night. If it rains, the crop is going to go rotten. And he didn't know what to do. He said, what shall I do? It's there in the Bible. And instead of asking God, why didn't you ask God what you should do? Why didn't you ask someone you know you trust? Why didn't you get counsel of what you should do with all this extra crop that the Lord has given you, the extra blessings? They could have told you what to do. And do you want to know why he didn't ask anyone? Do you want to know? So many times we don't want to ask because we don't like the answer. Go get some counsel. No, 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 no. I know what they're going to tell me. Are you with me on that? I know what I'm going to hear. If he asked God, God would have told him, hey, get your children, get some of your friends, get some extra, get some of this blessing and share it with others. Why don't you send some to the temple down there and go look at the, at the priest and give them something and give the poor and share what God has given you no, no he was me, myself and I, he voted for these three and no one else will profit don't you think he was self-centered selfish about 12 times if you notice in this little por portion that we read he says I me and mine. Count them. How much everything in his life resolved about self. And be, believe me, folks, instead of saying, oh, what a fool man he is, let's look a little bit at ourselves. Let's look around us a little bit. Isn't it the, the, the scene we see with many people around us? I tell you, Christ should be the center of our lives. He should be the center of our thoughts. He should be first in our lives. Is he first in your life? Then, others second. And lastly, should be self. Remember that. Biggest mistake. Secondly, he took for granted that time is at his disposal. Verse 19, he says, I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Time and I are friends. You know what? Time is running against all of us. And I have news for you. You young ones and more mature people, we are not growing younger, we are growing older. I'm not popular today, I know, I know. Time runs against us. And we cannot put our hand and grasp time. It's not ours. He was mistaken. Until God came to him and said, I need to tell you something.
have bad news for you. You are a fool. Wow. You are a fool. This very night, your soul is required of you, the Bible says. And now, who will own what you have prepared? To think of satisfying your soul with earthly goods, to spend your life gathering and to depend on living for many years without giving a thought to the one who gave you all this in abundance is foolishness. You see, man's soul, so to speak, is only lent to him. Think about that. And one day, you and I will have to surrender our soul to the one who gave it. You don't own it. You'll have to give it at the first call. You can say later. You can say later. When he knocks at the door, he says, I am coming to take your soul. You cannot say later. And man either saves his souls or loses it. That's what the Bible says. And what shall it profit a man? Here we go. If he gains the whole world and what? Loses his own soul. And one day, I tell you one day, as it happened with this rich man, one day the messenger of death is going to be commissioned by God, go knock on the door and require his soul for healing. He didn't make a plan for eternity whatsoever. He took time, I will live as long as I want. It seemed so. He never thought that he belonged to God. God was never in his plan. It's good to prepare. Friends, it's good to prepare. I used to watch my mom uh, in around September, October. They used to have a woman's party to put in jars all kinds of things, you know, uh, canning they used to call it. All the fruits of the summer to can them for the winter. They don't do it anymore because now the supermarkets do it for us. They, they used to. My grandpa used to, used to uh, can everything and put them in a special place, uh, meat and all, everything for the winter. Planning is not bad. Planning is good. Having plans for your future is good. But don't worship them. Don't live for them. Having a 401k is great. And keep adding to it and encourage you to take the maximum. But don't live day and night looking at it. And it becomes your God. I know of a woman. I know of a woman. She used every Monday morning to go all around Danville. She's still alive, to my knowledge. And take, you know, when you used to have um, uh, those little booklets for your savings, now, you, you know, you can look at it in the internet and so on and so forth. Little booklets. You take the booklets to go to seven banks every Sunday, every Monday morning to see how much her money made last week. I withhold her name and her husband's name. She's growing with dementia now and all her money all the money in the world cannot save her and cannot give her one normal day of life where's your heart tomorrow I'm preparing for tomorrow fine if you live but if you give tomorrow to God, it's better for you and for me. Bear in mind, 
This tomorrow is not ours. This farmer laid up for many years, he said, many years to come. But listen to the word of God in James what he says. Come now. You who say today or tomorrow. Come now. We shall go to such and such city, says it. This is it. And spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. Do you? You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. That is man. This man's vision was so limited to this scene. And may God help us to have a vision that goes beyond this scene. To have eternity in our plan. Do you have eternity in your plan? Do you have that? Do you, did you prepare for eternity? That's my question to you this morning. This afternoon rather. Did you prepare for eternity? Or all your work, all your toil is preparing for this scene. And this scene, and the Bible says, for this scene shall go away and vanish. And this world is going to be destroyed. And when death knocks on the door, are you going to be ready? He calculated time here. But not for eternity. He thought of self. Do you know according to the latest studies. And the average of a man's lifespan. Man's lifespan is about 70 to 75 years. And the study says that eight years is spent in amusements. Six years at the dinner table. Five years in transportation. Four years in conversation. Can you talk for four years? Not so like that. I don't. I don't. Okay. But these are statistics. Three years sick. Less than one year for God. That is if a person attends 90 minutes of church service every Sunday and prays for only 10 minutes a day. The rest, sleeping, working, and doing other chores. How are you spending your life? Thinking of what you want to do for tomorrow. Thinking of what you want to build. Instead of thinking, building your mansion for eternity. That's the problem with this farmer. That was his problem. Not because he was rich. God blessed him. You know, if he did exactly the contrary of what, what we read, when he had all the crops in, and he had the surplus, and he says, I want to give to my neighbors. I want to give to my uh, temple. I want to give to the priest. I want to give this. And then he will end up having still the, all the warehouses full. Do you think he would have received that knock on the door tonight? I'm going to take you away. No, he would have lived to see a double crop for next year. Trust me on that. And I want to ask you a question. Ever since you starting honoring your God with your life, with your service, with your money, with your children, with your wife, with your job, honoring him in everything, in everything you have, tell me, are you a richer Christian today than yesterday or not? Answer me and answer the Lord. Why are you so stingy giving the Lord your life? He's asking you, give me your life. Give him all. Not the extra crop. Give him all. R.G. Letourneau, one of the greatest engineers. By the way, he built Crow Canyon. I have the book on him. With the Kaiser Industries, he Paved all the way. Crow Canyon Road. That takes you there. R.G. Letourneau. There are some big, the big equipments now. Building equipments. It has Letourneau on them. If you see them. This is the man. He started giving the Lord 10%. His dad taught him. And then he ended up 
because he had so much money, giving, giving the Lord 90%. And he writes in his book that I read, he says, I didn't know what to do with that 10% that was left for me. I'm talking the Lord's blessings. I'm talking about God's blessings. I'm not talking about money. We don't talk about that. But God will bless you in every area in your life when you honor God with the first fruits of your life. Bring the first fruits. He did not want it. He says, well, I'm going to build some more warehouses so I can store them all. And tomorrow... It'll be, I'll get all the builders and they're going to start building in about six months. We'll have all the warehouses that I can put all my crops. That same night, you fool, tonight you're called to a new beginning. What was his purpose? What was his plan? He set goals. He take, take your ease. That's my goal. So I want to retire. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and what? Be merry. Eat, drink, and be merry. Is that the purpose which God puts man here on earth for? To go drinking and be merry? And extra drinking will be more than merry. You know what happens? And you end up behind, behind in jail. There is no satisfaction in this world. Let me tell you. The more you make, the more you want to make. The more you have, you become more greedy. I want to have more. In uh, Ecclesiastes, we read in chapter 5, He who loves money, loves money. Remember, will not be satisfied with money. This too is vanity. Don't put your heart on anything in this world if your heart is set on God. If your goal, if your purpose is God, you'll be the happiest person that walks the face of this earth. The more we have, the more we want. The Bible says the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear is filled with hearing. We are called as Christians to redeem the time because the days are growing shorter and the time of coming of the Lord is getting nearer. We are called to help those who are with sorrow, to save people who are in sin, to suffer with those who suffer, not to be self-centered and living for ourselves, Paul, in writing to the Galatians, he encourages them to do this, bear one another's burdens. And thus, yes, fulfill the law of Christ. But there's more important in that verse when he, he adds, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. He's a fool. Christians say, oh, but we want to enjoy it. We want to eat and drink Coca-Cola and be merry. Instead of giving you the wrong gold, drink and be merry. Instead of eating, drink and be merry, we want to enjoy it. Stop for a second with me. There will come a time when we shall truly eat, drink and be merry with our Lord and Savior. And this time is coming soon. Amen to that? He is coming soon. There will come a time when you have seen, bank, when the banquet will be that eyes have not seen nor ears have heard. Are you going to be there? This is the question. Or you're going to end up like this farmer, six feet under. Are you going to be there? Or are you still wasting your life in following vanity? Are you planning for that very near future? You know, all signs 
are pointing toward the coming of Christ. And what are you doing? Are you preparing yourself? Are you prepared to meet your Savior? Are you prepared to meet Jesus Christ? Or you didn't care about this, like this man. He didn't care about anything about, except himself. And suddenly he faced eternity unprepared. And where do you think he went? You answer that yourself. I'm sure he didn't go to heaven. No room for God. His thoughts, his emotions, his whole life was centered on hoarding wealth. There's nothing wrong in working hard. Go work hard and play hard and live, but live for Christ. My fruits, my goods, my life, me, is empty life that only considered self and no one else. Vain and fruitless. You find yourself pressed. Oh, I have to go to church Sunday. Are you going to come to church with a smile? Or wow, this is Sunday we're going to church. Or do we have to get early to come here at 10 o'clock? Thank God it's not 9 o'clock. Come on. There are some churches that start at 9. We don't. We start at 10. Do I have to do that? Are you? Or says, I can't wait for Sunday morning. I'm going to go and meet my Jesus Christ. And meet the men and women. And meet the family. And be with them. This is my family. This is the family. If I tell you I have friends outside this, I'd be lying to you. All are gone. When Jesus came in, he changed everything. Have you been doing something for Christ lately? This is what counts. We're nearing the end of that message. Are you doing for something for Christ? Or you're like this man. He was doing everything for himself. Busy with building plans. Where do you place God in your priorities? Is he number one? Praise God. If he's number one, congratulations. You've passed the test. The Bible says, seek first what? The kingdom of God. And all what? These things. The job. The money. The uh, 401k. What else? Count them. All these things what? Shall be you will not be in want. As long as the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not be in want. Remember that. But you are poor when you rob God. Remember that too. Lay up then for yourselves treasures in where? In heaven, not here. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There's a story about a very rich lady who dreamed she died. You've probably heard this story. And she dreamed that he, she died and was taken to heaven. She arrived there and was given an angel to escort her. I like to see St. Peter sitting at the gate, right? You th we think this way. No, he's not going to sit at the gate. But Peter assigned an angel to her to show her her new home. She dreamed the angel took her past many exquisite mansions. Passing one of the most elegant, the angel said, and this is the mansion of your servant who died last year. Since this was a fine home, the lady became really excited about the anticipated size of her new home. She said, if my servant got this, I should be getting something better. Soon they turned the corner, and came upon a small shack. Shack in heaven? No. But this is to illustrate the point. Here is your new home, the angel told her. Is this all she said? I was of a very wealthy family on earth. Well, the angel, angel explained, this is all you think of. 
This is all. He said to them. Who are you living for? For here and now. And maybe tomorrow. Or for eternity. This man was a fool. And he died the death of a fool. Who are you living for? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Time to reflect, isn't it? It's sobering. If you are a Christian and you haven't been putting God first in your life, I ask you this very morning, rather this afternoon, to change your priorities and say, Lord, help me to have you first in my life. If you haven't been saved and you have been living for this scene, this world, I ask you this afternoon to say, Lord, I want to live for eternity. Change my priorities. Change my life. Save me. Help me to take you as my Savior. I want you to be first in my life. While sitting in your seat and pray this prayer, Lord Jesus, as an unsaved person, Lord Jesus, help me to live for you. Save me and change me and give me a new hope.